Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, uh, it's, it's about time we address this because we haven't had a chance to talk about it uh, on the show. So after the last time we recorded, we were in person and uh, we were both leaving this, the, where we were recording together and we saw a rat on the side of the street. It was the craziest thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, it was pretty wild. And, and we, you know, there was a video of us, uh, there was a video of us, you know, talk, talking about whether this was, you know, a rat or a raccoon. Yeah, Chris, Chris was insisting that it was a raccoon, but I, I promise you it was a rat. Yeah, and it, it spread across our friends' circles. And, you know, based on the conversation, they thought, all right, well, Chris and Daniel definitely aren't going to be friends anymore based on the way uh, they are um, altercating right now. But you know, just a simple, you know, just a simple misunderstanding. Yeah. So, I mean, we had to talk about that, uh, but you know what? We're still here, but even it was a rat, I swear to you. Yeah. Well, you know, we can agree to disagree on these things, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad, um, I'm, I'm glad things aren't going the way that, uh, people in the media implied Yeah. Uh, no. about above the above replacement radio duo. I would hate to, I would hate if that was actually a, a thing, but you know, the media can just twist these things. Exactly. Um, but yeah, that for uh, those not aware is a relation to a Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor story. A classic Mets. It's a Mets classic. Yeah. Real weird. And uh, so, something I would not expect, like Francisco Lindor, to be involved in, unless it was the actual story. It was not the actual story. Like, unless there was, there's like, you know, that's an easy cover up. For, yeah. Because like the Mets won that game. Francisco Lindor homered. Like everyone was cool. Like they were like, we need to forget that whatever happened there happened. I saw rumors, and I doubt that this is true, but I saw rumors that like. Supposedly McNeil was like telling Lindor like he wasn't worth the money and like all this stuff. And they, they started fighting. Uh, I don't think McNeil is that type of guy. And I don't think that's true. But like, I don't, I also don't think it was, they were debating a rat or a raccoon. So I think they, that I, they don't look alike at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's a tough, if that's a, if he said that, that's a tough thing to say before the contract is even being, put in like Lindor is not even don't, on. don't go with that I doubt it's true yeah Lindor is a <laughs> Lindor is not even on the 10-year contract that the Mets signed him to yep so it would be a long ride if he actually went that way but that seems kind of um vaudevillian very dramatic yes um but 
But yeah, that that was our uh, Mets news of the week, pretty much. Uh, seems seems to be it. Although they are uh, leading the division. As of right now, if the Phillies come back and win this Sunday night game against the Braves, it'll be tied again. But it is, I believe, four one Atlanta right now. Five one Atlanta. Oh. And Nola getting knocked around on the Sunday night baseball. Surprising, surprising. Um, I wasn't ready for this. But uh, yeah, there's we had a busy, pretty busy week of baseball uh, in general. Uh, lots of headlines coming yeah. this week, starting with. Uh, I believe this happened like right after we recorded our last episode. Dustin May, um, emerging 23-year-old right-handed starting pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, who you know was a top 10 prospect coming up, uh, was having a lot of success this year. You know, he had a 38% strikeout rate uh, in 2021. He uh, is getting Tommy John surgery, had elbow issues, and uh, looks like you know probably. We're probably not realistically seeing him until 2023. Until, until 2023, yeah. Not like maybe a postseason run in 2022. That's probably the the, the best case scenario. Yeah, um, you know it. We've seen this type of thing happen to a, a lot of pitchers. You know, Steven Strasburg, Matt Harvey, uh, Jose Fernandez, just guys that were coming up and kind of had a bump in the road to start to start their career but you know may will probably uh recover from this you know just fine he certainly will but i mean this one hurts like i feel like a lot of the times when pitchers are getting tommy john surgery it's sort of like you know it it had been coming for a while they had had lingering injury problems and you know especially with the elbow they've missed a lot of time like chris sale i don't think anyone was surprised to see him go down same with luis severino same with noah Syndergaard, just to name a few in the recent past this sort of seemed like a, you know, it just happened one day for Dustin May. Yeah. Yeah. This wasn't a developing thing where like, you know, one time it's shoulder fatigue, then it's shoulder inflammation. Then it's like, I don't know, forearm tightness. And then eventually like, you know, in a six month develop six month development, you're getting Tommy John surgery. Like Chris Sale, you mentioned, you know, he was getting, he was injured in the middle of like 2018. That was kind of develop of a development. And then he eventually got Tommy John surgery like 18 months later, even yep. later. But yeah, this just popped up out of nowhere. It was weird. It, it felt like it did. I mean, I think Maze had some like small injury issues like here and there, but I mean, who doesn't in a, in a sense, this one, it really felt like it went from zero to a hundred real quick. Yeah. Pretty odd. Maybe. You think, uh, you know, he was a young guy that was pitching through potential pain, but it didn't like, it didn't look like it didn't show. I mean, this was like, this happened at such a poor time in his career. You mentioned the 38% strikeout rate. That's nearly double what it was in 2020. His strikeout rate last season was 19.6. It's now 38. And his 18.4% difference in strikeout rate between seasons is the second highest among qualifiers. The only person that's ahead of him is Matt Barnes. So he leads all qualifying starters in year-to-year differences in strikeout rate. Uh, so it really hurts to see a guy like this go down, especially at age 23. You know, he really looked like he was solidifying his spot in that loaded Dodgers rotation. But unfortunately, that will not be the case this year or next year. Yeah, he was looking like uh, one of those one of those guys that he was looking like he was going to be grouped with, you know, uh, in terms of skill 
in skill comparison uh, grouped in with, you know, Bueller, Kershaw, and Bauer at the top or at the top of the rotation, it wasn't just going to be like, you know, a three-headed monster is going to be more of a four-headed monster. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I think the the only thing I guess that could have made this predictable, I guess, was you know a very uh, a very skinny guy throwing extremely hard. He's six foot six, uh, 180 pounds, which is uh, not a lot of body composition for someone who's throwing a uh, hundred miles per hour. Um, and if you want to see more on like that theory of needing like a support system in order to throw that hard, um, throw that hard consistently without, without getting injured. Um, there's this guy, uh, Dr. Josh Heenan, who talks about uh, needing, you know, a lot of body composition and a certain uh, amount of strength in order to throw very hard uh, without getting injured. And I mean, to that point, like, time. you know, that, I guess that is certainly a, a possible predictable point, but like we're in an age where like virtually everyone is throwing hard. I mean, like look at Joe Kelly, like he's been, you know, I guess he has a different workload because he's a reliever, but he was a starter at one point who was throwing a hundred as a, as just a scrawny guy with glasses. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was, I think he's like six feet tall, a hundred 80 or 170 pounds. He is a very so, similar build to Dustin May. Yeah. I, I think uh, May is a little longer, a little taller mm -hmm. uh, compared to his weight, but yeah, uh, that's just something that's just something that I've, uh, I've read on, but Obviously, I'm no uh, I'm no expert on any of that. It's just we uh, do not have medical degrees, nor if, will we uh, ever. Yeah, I'd I'd like to talk talk to that guy about about all that. But yeah, um, yeah, pretty much came out of nowhere. And but you know the Dodgers Dodgers will probably be fine. I, I'm wondering if this increases the chances of David Price being put into the rotation at any point. It could. I mean, this has happened last week, and the Dodgers have had a turn through the rotation since. Um, I don't think he's made a start, but it sounds like the Dodgers definitely could use something. I mean, they lost what their fifth straight series or something like that today. Um, yeah, because they lost they lost the series to the Angels. Um, they got swept by the Cubs earlier this week, and last weekend they uh, they lost three out of four to the Brewers. Before that, they played the Reds. Um, did they beat the Reds? No, I think they lost to the Reds at home. In the series yeah like they lost two out of three yep and then before that uh we're talking april 25th and that was a series i think against the padres where uh yeah the padres took three of four or two of something like that uh, i'm just looking at their schedule yeah the padres took three out of four so the last time the Dodgers won a series was like mid april was mid-april it's been yeah. close to a month yeah they won uh so they well, they, they, they like won five consecutive series to start the year. And then it's been a turn for the worst. Uh, yeah. They, they swept Colorado at home and then, uh, okay. Then they beat, then they won two out of three against San Diego. Okay. Then they lost or they split a two game series between uh, against the Mariners. Then they dropped three out of four against the Padres dropped two out of three against the Reds. Uh, dropped three of four to the Brewers. Uh, yeah, three of four to the Brewers. Swept, swept by, the, Cubs, by the Cubs. Lost two out of three to the Angels. And then today, 
today they dropped their second out of three to the angels so yeah that's uh that seems to be yeah five and we're like the last team in the national league to lose a series too and now they've lost five in a row yeah it's uh incredibly odd they seem to be losing via walk-off like they lost via walk-off to the brewers uh, the brewers and cubs you know like multiple times Mm -hmm. uh so they've been losing close games but they just ain't can't seem to get it done last night uh on saturday night they almost blew a 13 nothing lead uh right it was 13 nothing and then it was a 14 11 final yeah yeah uh so that's you know somewhat alarming Mm -hmm. somewhat alarming yes can't you know we don't want to overuse a phrase but yeah somewhat alarming but yeah uh you know dustin dustin may be an out definitely doesn't help help them i mean what so it's been it's been kershaw bueller, bueller. bauer may and Gonsolin? who yeah no, i think gonsolin's been used as a reliever i'm trying to think of who the fifth oh arias oh yeah julio arias so yeah i mean he started i think the opener of that series against the angels and on Tuesday, which is their next game, uh, they have Bueller going. Makes sense. Um, now I'm thinking, I'm wondering who's like, when was May's last start? It was. Um, it was against the Brewers. It was May 1st. May 1st. Yeah, because I remember it was literally May Day. Oh, yeah. Tough. Uh, and he left. Yeah. So, yeah, Arias. Kershaw, yeah, Arias started May 2nd. Kershaw started the game after that. Uh, then I'm trying to look at starters every game since. I, I'm guessing since they've had days off, they haven't pitched five five different starters. Um, Bauer went on uh, the night half of that doubleheader. Um, mm-hmm. Then May 5th. May 5th. May 5th, they started Walker Bueller. And then May 6th, hopefully they got a decision so I don't have to scroll down as much. Then Urias, May 6th. And then May... uh, May 7th, it was Arias again, I believe. Yeah, May, May 7th, it was Arias. There was no game on May 6th. Uh, last May, night, they started Kershaw, and then Kershaw today, they started and Bauer. Today was Bauer, so yeah. interesting. Maybe uh, Bauer's, uh, maybe Bauer pitching every fourth day might be a thing, but... It could be. You never know. It would be tough with all that depth that they have. What we do know is that Luis Robert is going to miss 12 to 16 weeks. He had a hip flexor injury, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah, torn hip flexor. Yep. That is not fun. Uh, Luis Robert, obviously he was runner-up in the American League Rookie of the Year last year. His expected batting average went from 20th percentile in 2020 to the 57th percentile this year so far. Uh, So he had been showing some improvements. Uh, his strikeout rate had gone down because that was one of his biggest issues last year. A uh, little bit, not by too much, but still, you know, any progress is progress. 
Um, and it really sucks that we're not going to see him for three months because he's, I mean, he's a stat cast machine and he's a guy that you want to have out there. Yeah. And uh, it adds to what potentially could be an outfield problem for the White Sox as yeah. they already lost Eloy Jimenez for the year. And we talked about how the White Sox kind of set themselves up in a decent position uh, with, ha- you know, not having one of their main outfielders for a year with having Adam Eaton and Adam Angle and even Leori Garcia who could pen- potentially fill in. But when you have two guys out for most of your season, that makes things a lot harder. Yeah, I mean, luckily, luckily the rest of the lineup is picking up the pace like Yasmani. Have you seen Yasmani Grandal with his walks? No. He's making a real contender for CSOTM in May. Uh, he's batting like 121 with a 380 OBP this season. That's amazing. And it's been like he has like he had like 13 walks is, this weekend. Uh, quite incredible. He had like 13 walks this weekend or something like that. Oh my, yeah. You're not exaggerating. 121 average, 388 on base percentage. Yeah. He's been hilarious. The the small brain baseball fan probably thinks he's, he's not old. getting on base. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean he's been picking it up. Um they scored eight in the first inning on Saturday. They beat the they swept the Royals. The Royals have fallen off the map, by the way. They're under five hundred now. I think they've lost like six in a row. Yeah, I, I saw it. Who were they losing to? Were they losing to the Twins or was the it... Twins and the White Sox? I believe no, not the Twins. Um, they definitely Is lost it... to the White Sox. Yeah, they uh, did. The White Sox beat them today because if yep. they did, that's a they sweep. Did. Um, they did. I think it was nine to three or something like that. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's kind of a fall back to earth. You know, no one expected the Royals to be in first place, but around 500 would. Uh... Yeah, I mean, they were my sleeper team. And when I said that, I said they could probably beat out the Cleveland Baseball Club. And that is certainly possible. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, the White Sox lineup from Saturday. So they had. Oh, yeah, they brought uh, Andrew Vaughn up and he's playing left field. Mm hmm. And then Garcia in center, Danny Mendick in right. So they didn't have Eaton or Angle in um, in that particular game. There might have been a lefty pitcher, I guess. But I guess I think Angle is a is a righty anyway. Or Lucas Giolito had a very un-Lucas Giolito-like start today. Five innings pitched, four hits, one earned run, two walks, and two strikeouts. Yeah, usually he's a strikeout guy. Not like him, but you know what? Still gets the job done. Yeah, five and five innings, one earned run is the uh, is definitely getting the job done. Um, yeah. So the White Sox. I mean, I don't know if there are any potential trade targets potentially from the outfield. I mean, it's tough. I, like there, especially if you're just thinking about like next year's free agents. Because mm-hmm. there's really nothing out there in general in next year's free agent class outside of shortstops. Shortstops, um, yeah. I mean, the shortstop are maybe like I don't think the Orioles would trade Cedric Mullins. Uh, I doubt that would happen. I don't know, like Corey Dickerson, maybe. Yeah. If next the uh, Marlins, <laughs> the Marlins, by the way, uh, highest run differential yeah. in the NL East. Um, if if the Marlins are. Uh, you know, not with it, 
later on in the season, they would certainly strike a deal like that. Like a, that's that's definitely a potential trade target. He has a 149 weighted runs created plus this season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, technically, Chris Bryant is an outfielder. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think the White Sox – I mean, imagine if the White Sox did that. Imagine if they traded for Chris Bryant and threw him in the outfield. Yeah, that would be such a such a move. I mean, who's – But, this? I mean, like the media aspect of it too. Like he's going from the Cubs to the White Sox. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and well, it'd have yeah, to be I mean, like the it'd have to be like the uh, the Jose Quintana revenge trade. Like the Cubs would have to capitalize on that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll see how the White Sox handle that uh, outfield situation. Uh, yeah, Andrew Vaughn is up. I didn't know he was uh, able to play in the outfield. I, I don't know what his defensive ability is. Obviously, you know, with Robert, you're losing a lot of defensive ability. I'm pretty sure he won a gold glove last year uh, out in the center field. Mm-hmm. His outs above average were like tie- tied for the most for an outfielder in 2020. They were really good. Yeah. It, was pretty, it was pretty wild, along with, you know, above average offense. Very, very good. So you're going to miss that um, for the next three to four months, but... Uh, I think some of the takeaways have been positive from Chicago because he's not required surgery. And apparently uh, after he's, after he uh, comes back, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be like a long-term effect on him. So I don't believe they've had a home game since it happened. So I'm sure they'll do like the, the ceremonies beforehand, like they did with Eli, even though that was not a home opener, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. He'll he have the jersey the in the dugout. Dreams. Right, yeah. That was so, so weird. It was uh, It was something. They are home this week against the Twins. Their next home game is Tuesday. So, uh, yeah, expect the White Sox to retire the number 88. No one will ever wear it again. Uh, it is in Luis Robert's honor. Yeah, Luis Robert will come back and have to wear a different jersey. Yeah, they'll be like, wait, you're not – you're still here? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. He'll, uh, I thought it was like 12 to 16 lifetimes. <laughs> yeah. Ex- exactly. Yeah. 12 to 16 generations from now. Yeah. Uh, Robert will be back on the field with the White Sox. But yeah, the White Sox, uh, you know, they've been playing good baseball without him. They're in first place in the AL Central now. Um, Tony LaRusso doesn't know the rules. That's pretty cool. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they were playing a national league game and he, I think the, the, yeah, the lineup spot had Hendricks going as, to second uh, and extra innings going to second, but apparently you can, you're, you have the ability to not do that. Right. Yeah. To be like, you can like put a position player out there. Yeah, not if your pitcher run. To be fair, I didn't know that either, but I'm not an MLB manager. Yeah, that's a good point. Because <laughs> uh, you know, if anyone if if anyone were to ask me, like, hey, did I mean? I bet you didn't know that was a rule. You're right, well, but I'm not getting paid to know that that's a rule. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I and mean, if it's gonna happen to anyone, of course it happens to Tony Larusa. 
Yeah, right. This Probably is because not... most people would have known. I'm sure there's been I'm sure there's been situations in the past, you know, two seasons where a pitcher was was due to run uh, in the extra innings rule. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, but I, I guess not. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's happened to another American League manager, and it just wasn't a story because it wasn't Tony Larusa. But no, uh, I guess this this is the first time it. it I mean, has maybe happened. it would like. I don't know. I mean, like, did he plan on having Hendricks going back out there? He had to have, right? Um, potentially. I don't know. Um, if you if you took the wait, if you took the guy out, would he still be eligible to pitch or no? Um, I doubt it. I mean, yeah, obviously you have to, right? Like if you can replace the runner, yeah. Yeah, you would have to be available to come pitch. Otherwise, this wouldn't be a story. Okay. Um, let me see. Did Hendricks pitch multiple innings? Yeah, this is a uh, – I don't he know. 0.1 innings. But then again, he also gave up the walk-off. So he could have pitched in the ninth, got one out, came out for the tenth, and then – yeah, that's that looks like it looks like that's what happened. He came out in the ninth got one out yep okay and then came out for the 10th and gave up the walk-off that's what happened uh-huh makes sense interesting very interesting um but yeah larusa that's you know pretty funny that happened that it happened to him makes sense. Uh, some positive news that happened in the baseball world uh we had we had some no hitters first was uh on wednesday john means who was uh actually a, a how about that on the show last week yeah chris two, two days before that. the no hitter happened and uh all of a sudden he throws a no hitter pretty that's right and it wasn't it wasn't a cheapy i mean what was it 12 strikeouts the one base runner was on a drop third strike right yeah that's that's tough yeah but uh, in all seriousness, I, I am willing to make the case that it is the greatest pitching performance in Baltimore Orioles history. This franchise, they started as the St. Louis Browns. They've been around for over 120 years. John Means is the only pitcher in a history with a game score of 99 in nine innings pitched or less in a single game. 120 years of baseball is the only time it's happened. Yeah, 120 years of uh, Orioles of- – Orioles slash Browns baseball, and that deserves a. How about that? The second, how about that for John Means within a week? Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Usually, usually when we have a, have a how about that, they just crumble to pieces mm-hmm. uh, immediately after being called out for their for their greatness. But John Means went the opposite direction. Luckily, that's right. Yeah, he was. Doing very well. I mean, he's you know we, I talked about how great he's been doing the entire season, and I think he it seems he put all, it seems that he put it all together uh, against the Mariners. You know, no, no, nothing uh, was above a five thirty expected batting average. He only had two that were above five hundred, and even those were like you know fifty fifty chances of being hits, and. You know, not nothing hit nothing hit extremely hard against John Means either. And then, yeah, of course, had uh had twelve strikeouts, and yeah, no hits, no walks, and yeah, the first 
the first four no hitters, official and unofficial, if we include uh, Madison Bumgarner's, uh, all four of the the you know the first four of this season, uh, all had no walks. So, you know, they were very close to being perfect. They were just you know one hit batter here, an error there, a drop third strike, and uh, they all had to be no hitters. Yeah. Yeah, we, and, we were... uh, the second no hitter of the week did have a walk, but it also had a reach on error. So, I mean, it could have been a no hitter without the walk as well. Yes, yes. Uh, do we want to, oh, I do you want to get into like some of the notes with the means no hitter? Um, no, nah, I think I, I think we're good on the John means. There's what only like a couple, like two, uh, batted balls with an expected batting average above 500 like that's really impressive yeah and yeah nothing was above 530 so like even even the you know closest ones were still pretty much 50 50 uh balls i mean if you wanted to you could easily make the case that that was the the greatest pitching performance in orioles history yeah very very much so um you know you you provided the game score and you know, it makes a lot of sense. Dominant uh, for all, for all 28 batters that he faced. Um, and, you know, now we get into a, another no He got, he got all 28 guys out. That's true. Yeah. He got, you know, he, the one it was, yeah, the, it was the, the first one. 28 out perfect game in 11 years. Yeah, that's true. Um, but uh, another no hitter happened two days later. Another lefty. This one actually had a walk, and uh, you know, maybe dominant in a different sense. You know, it, it had it had eight strikeouts, um, which is I guess high for a guy like Wade Miley. But when also was the last time he had that fourteen ground outs to five air outs. Yeah, and that's you know that's Wade Miley's game, and that's how. That's how you know he was pitching at his best. He's putting the ball on the ground. Uh, not a lot of uh, line drives. Uh, with Wade Miley, there was only one ball that had an expected batting average above 500. So, and then you know the next closest was about 390. So, only one, only one uh, batted ball against Wade Miley on Friday had an expected batting average above 400. That was the first game in Wade Miley's career with eight strikeouts since August 19th of 2019. So yeah, it's been a a couple years. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, granted, you know, we're only only a few days into this season and the last season was short. So it's basically like one full season, but still, I mean, that's, you know, it's a decent amount of starts in between eight strikeout performances. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, I haven't really, you know, I haven't really had a chance to look into it like visually and see like how it went down. I'll probably, you know, at one, at one point, I'll probably try to watch like all the no hitters that have happened this year, just, you know, like speed through it on MLB.tv or whatever. What you could do is you could just look at every, like, I mean, are you going like full pitch breakdowns or like every batted ball or strikeout? Um, just like pitch by pitch, I'll use the okay. 10 second advance thing. Gotcha. But I mean, you, you better know, hurry up before another one happens because they're coming left and right, left, right, and center this year. Yeah. I mean, Sean Mania that night 
uh, had he a, almost had another one. He had a no hitter into the eighth inning. <laughs> like the, the Wade Miley one ended. I was like, all right, on to the next no hit bid. Sean Manaya in the eighth. Yeah, and I, I had no reason to believe he wasn't going to get the no hitter. Yeah, because normally when I get a, a no hitter alert, I'm like, you know, this will probably get this will probably get broken up pretty soon. But now, like four four official no hitters and uh five five if you want to count the other one yeah five five uh if you want to count the other one uh also i should add because i have a how about that for for bad reasons um this was the cleveland baseball this was the cleveland indians second time being no hit this year and uh this makes them one of two teams in baseball history and the first in the live ball era to get no hit twice in their first 40 games. But the other team to do that, the 1917 White Sox. And you know what they did? They won the World Series. So some high quality, some 40 chess being played by the Cleveland Indians, uh, looking like they're, you know, uh, a much better chance to be World Series champs, if you ask me. I mean, why don't we go to Vegas right now and just place our bets? Yeah, I mean, it's a 100% success rate. I am turning 21 later this month. I can, I think, is it the legal gambling age in, in Nevada? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it might be even earlier. Uh, well, like in Las Vegas, you can probably gamble when you're like five. But, you know. <laughs> as soon as you're out of the womb, it's like, all right, what do we got in this over-under? Yeah, in New York, I don't know. It's, it's probably either 18 or 21 i don't know which one in new york it's i believe 18 yeah connecticut be wrong though connecticut's definitely 21 i know that okay i didn't know that because i've been to foxwoods yeah yeah but the indians offense looking a little slightly alarming as they've been no hit by a, a couple of lefties carlos rodon and wade miley Rodon has kind of uh, carried his success throughout the year. Like, mm-hmm. still an ERA under one. It's he's right there with Degrom. I think they're separated by like four points now. Yeah, it's uh, pretty wild how how he's been able to maintain the success. Uh, pretty good story, you know. As we've mentioned before, like how he wasn't really wanted by the White Sox, but he chose to stay and now becoming one of the more important uh, pitchers in the rotation. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah. So a couple no-hitters from from the MLB today. Uh, And last last bit of news we'll get into. Uh, The Angels released Albert Pujols, uh, I guess you would call STBNL history alum, ARR history alum, yeah, um, Albert Pujols, uh, and it looks like that is going to be the end of his career, uh, as it is um, not going to be chasing any more, not going to be climbing any more leaderboards. But uh, yeah, I mean, didn't I, I don't know if anyone thought it would necessarily happen this way, but it kind of did. Looks like it. Uh, looks I, like I know it it's not on the record anywhere, anywhere, but I remember like junior year of high school. I started thinking about it. I was like, man, they're gonna get to the last year of that contract, and they can release him if they want. 
Yeah. So what, that's what, what ended up happening. I like I remember that's what the Red Sox did with Hanley Ramirez, like because they signed him to a four-year deal in 20, you know, before 2015. So it goes through 15, 16, 17, and then 18. Because that's what caused me to start thinking about it. They got to the last year of the contract. They didn't have to pay him anymore, and he was struggling. So they released him. And I remember thinking, like, when the Angels get there with Pujols in 2021, if he's still like this, they might do the same thing. And that's what ended up happening. What, what, were, what was the uh, contract detail with Pujols? Uh, well, this is just his contract year. Like, it got to the last year of the 10-year deal that started in 2012. And they essentially paid him all everything they needed to. And, you know, at that point, he was kind of just taking someone else's spot. Because, I mean, let's be real with the way he's performing. He's not, you know, I mean, he's not helping the team. He's not making them better. Someone else in the minors might be. So they owe him absolutely nothing now. So you might as well quit while you're ahead and get him off the team. And that's essentially what they did. It sucks because, you know, I get like Pools is a legend. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He might even be a unanimous Hall of Famer. Who knows? Uh, some some mean person is probably going to dock him a point because he was so bad as an angel collectively. I mean, you can look at it. You know, I, Brian Kenny had a really good breakdown on this in February. Um no matter which way you look at it, like this contract was a total disaster for the Angels. Uh, like beyond the numbers, like the guy made one All Star game in ten years. Yeah, like the, that's not okay. Um, yeah, not not okay for someone who who you're paying twenty four million a, a year for. Yeah, I mean, like it's this is a very weird segment because you know it's a it gives us a chance on harp on Albert, you know, just to reflect on Albert Pujols' career, but it also gives us a chance to reflect on just the legacy of this contract because it really is it might be the end of uh of signing free agent like to free agents to long-term deals like that in their 30s and i mean yeah. honestly, honestly the tigers probably have it worse yeah it's it, i mean yeah they're paying a, a higher average annual value to and he's just and he's still got three years like they still yeah. have three years left after this year and when was the last time he's been like an above average player like probably around the same time it was for Pujols. I think 2016, maybe. I think he was. Let me look great... at his little baseball reference page. Last time he had an OPS plus above 100. Because yeah, he's a it's... 45. Oh, he had it in 2020. He had a 746 OPS in 2020. Okay, but that's 57 games. Last full season, 2018, he was all right. Uh, he had a 128 that year and 157 plate appearances, but then he got hurt. So last time he had a, a full season, where he was above average, not counting 2020, was 2016. And he was actually great that year, but it's just been completely downhill ever since. And they have him until 2023. Yeah, I – um. That's the same – like, don't be surprised if the Tigers do the same thing. Yeah, when – uh in 2018, I was trying to get into, like, the, the blogging sphere, I guess. And I wrote a little thing, and it was, like, right, right at Chris Davis's worst. That's C-H-R-I-S Davis – uh, instead of the K, right I mean, when I it think was we all know 2018 was not K Riss Davis's worst. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was K H R I S's uh, 48 homer season. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I wrote about um, how uh, how Albert Pujols, Miguel Cabrera, and Chris Davis were, you know, setting up the uh, setting up the platform badly for guys like uh paul goldschmidt freddie freeman and anthony rizzo because yeah. all of them uh, are similar to pujols cabrera and davis and that 
they're going to be entering free agency or, you know, contract situations in their early thirties and they're not going to get the same, uh, same money that Pujols Cabrera and Davis got because obviously these things don't really work out. So um, I'm waiting to see, I'm waiting for it to come full circle, you know, after Freeman and Rizzo get new deals, but Goldschmidt got, you know, a five-year deal. That's probably, that's probably what Rizzo and, and I mean, I don't even think Rizzo, I'd say Rizzo gets like three to four maybe, but Freeman's probably getting a little more than that. Yeah. So yeah, Goldschmidt got like five or six. Yeah. Goldschmidt got $130 million compared to like Davis got 161. Uh, Cabrera and Pujols each got 240. So things are going to, you know, look a lot different on the free agent market. And we've kind of seen these trends already with just the general uh, MLB roster, you know, not just first baseman, just not getting rewarded for past performance like they used to, but you know, it's going to, it's going to change things uh, after Pujols's uh, debacle. Yeah. Um, um, so- I mean, let's just, I mean, he says he wants to play first base every day. I don't really see a team where that's happening. I mean, let me just look at like who's gotten the least amount of production at first base this year. Uh, I'd say the only chance is if it's a non-contender, but even still like uh, the White Sox, you know, they already had to come up front and say like, we're not doing this. We're not going to do it because, you know, Tony LaRusse is obviously over there. He, he managed Pujols in St. Louis. Um, the worst teams with first base production by far, the Detroit Tigers are number one. I don't see the Tigers doing this because they already got, I mean, not that they have to pay pools, but they already have Miguel Cabrera on their hands. I, you know, I think they're trying to move forward into a rebuild and Albert Pujols wouldn't do that. Even if it's gonna, you know, like you can't even consider bringing fans in at this point because you know, there's limited seating at all stadiums or most stadiums, at least. I don't think Texas is going to do that. Yeah. And I, I, it, it's, it would be hard to see like, Pujols in a in like one of these random uniforms like Pujols in a like in a Marlins uniform that would just be weird exactly um I'm like the the top 10 teams in worst first base production by wins above replacement is Detroit Baltimore Cleveland Seattle Milwaukee Boston Tampa Bay Arizona Atlanta Washington and St. Louis um I think Everyone wants to see him go back to St. Louis, and I don't blame him for that. But if he does, he's not playing first base every day. And to be honest, I don't think he's playing first base every day, no matter where he goes. I really do not think a team is going to do that. Yeah, he he just doesn't really have uh, the ability to do that, and uh, it would be a detriment to like, the lineup. If you take away the name Albert Pujols and you say, oh, this 41-year-old first baseman wants to play for your team every day. By the way, he hasn't been a league average hitter since 2016. Do you want him? Oh, you don't? Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it would just be considered nice, but not nothing that's going to improve your team uh, by by any stretch. If he goes back to St. Louis, which is what people want, he's doing. He's going to be an off-the-bench pinch hitter guy because, you know what, it's the last year of the Universal DH. NL teams still need bench spots to fill up in extra inning games and stuff maybe they bring back Albert Pujols just for fan service uh, as a, as a guy off the bench. Obviously he's not starting over Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, def, definitely not. As, as we mentioned, Goldschmidt is getting, is getting paid his uh, as well. Yeah, like it's hard to imagine a team that like he goes there and makes them better. Yeah, no. 
Um, I can't imagine that. I mean, I hope he changes up his expectations because he really does deserve to know when he's played his last game. Because I think there was a thing in the press maybe last year. Uh, you know, this was – I learned this doing research for the history show. Um, I think he said he planned on playing after the contract was over. But, yeah, the, I, like I don't see how that would – what teams are, would be signing up for there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to be fair, his Savant page actually looks kind of decent this year in some areas. But even still, like – you're in your age 41 season. Like I, I, it's hard for me to imagine like a team, like it's, if, if teams are trying to move forward, Albert Pujols isn't your guy. Yeah. Not. Yeah. He's not really a a present. Yeah. He's, he's not really a present day person either. And yeah, he's not going to definitely not going to play good defense for you at, at this point. If if anything, he's an American league DH his X slugging is in the 83rd percentile and his K percentage is in the 88th percentile, which is actually pretty good. But I mean, everything else considered, like this is not a guy you want on your team right now. Yeah. It's, and and, you know, it's like a small sample size last year in in 2020, his X Woba was in the 18th percentile, you know, maybe, maybe he made changes. um, But I'm trying to look back. It hasn't been, his ex woba hasn't been uh, above average since 2018, um, which I guess that matches uh, the rest of his offensive statistics. But yeah, it would be tough. His walk rate is also, uh, I don't think it's ever been above average. It's never been above average in the Statcast era. It was literally 50th percentile in 2015. It was yeah. completely average. Very, very weird considering. Uh, how disciplined he was in the first half of his career. But um, I mean, I hope like it really all, like him getting signed by another team depends on him, him changing his expectations. Right. Yeah. If he is, if he changes attitude to, I want to, you know, I want to contribute to a a, a contending team. If you, if he just says the word contribute, it's like, all right, well, you know, you, you can, he's not the worst pinch hitter in the world available. Like, I think all milestones at this point are off the table. He's 33 home runs away from 700. I, I really do not see that happening. Uh, I mean, what? Like, he's already got 3,000 hits. He's already got 2,000 RBIs. He's already got uh, 660 home runs. He passed Willie Mays at the very least. The next person on the list is Alex Rodriguez at 696. I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, thir- 30 away from passing Rodriguez to be uh, fourth on the list. I... <sighs> He had what? He had how many this season? How many five home runs this season? I I no, I don't think it's gonna happen. Even if it wasn't just twenty four games, like I don't know. Um because realistically he's not playing a full season again. Yeah, no. Uh it's uh would be tough. I mean I get I mean he played 131 in 2019, 39 in 2020, which is about two thirds. But it's just like, if he plays every day, he's producing negative wins above replacement. He's yeah, he's going to be below replacement for your team most likely. He he had ten. He literally was a ten WAR player for the Angels in ten seasons. The Angels paid 240 million dollars for one win a year. Right. Yeah. Like I really, I'm. I'll tell you, I'm very interested to see 
I'm very, I'm very excited to see what the Angels start doing next offseason because I was thinking about this the other day. The Angels have signed five massive contracts in their history. Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon, Albert Pujols, Justin Upton, Josh Hamilton. Three of those contracts have have hurt them more than they've helped. Yeah. And obviously Josh Hamilton's been off the books, I'm pretty sure. That contract ended a while ago, I believe. Um, yeah, that was uh, that ended in 27 at the end of 2017, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Upton and Pujols are both off the books next year. That clears uh, up so much money for a team that desperately needs to contend. I think Upton is through 2022. Is it? I thought he was off the books. No, he's because he, it's 2018 oh, to uh, 2022. Oh, that sucks. Well, Pujols is still off the books. That's 30, they paid him 30 million dollars this year. That's 30 mil off the books still. Yeah, you you almost think uh yeah it's a year too late, considering what they could have had uh this past off season. Unless they, I mean I guess they could go for one of those uh short stops in the off season. They probably could, but I mean you you know that's not what they need. Yeah, not necessarily, but it's. Um, I would say I would say possibly go out and get Max Serger for like a two to three year deal, but I mean that's way down the line. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. By the way, yeah, Scherzer yesterday had a 14 strikeout performance so looks like he's not really losing a step uh just yet because um, a two three three era we'll do we'll do a proper like remembrance of albert Pujols' career if it turns out this is officially the end i guess i mean you know we we're we're mostly there i mean we did about 45 minutes on the guy yeah uh we'll just we'll just play that for a podcast and then re-upload that yeah Shout out to shout out to him, uh, but yeah. So uh, now on to uh, some positives uh, for our May tenth, twenty twenty one edition of. Uh, so, who do you have to highlight uh, sure, for the but, correct reasons? So usually, Chris, like I'll admit, I kind of reach for these sometimes. These how about that's, and I'm sure that you kind of do the same. Uh, from time to time, right? You know, you got to reach down there and get a guy because we both like getting guys, me sp- specifically, I like getting guys that are on no one's radar. Um, yeah. But today, I, you know, I switched it up. I'm doing the guy who leads all National League qualifiers in weighted runs created plus over the last two weeks. Uh, so, like, you know, you would say it's not a stretch, right? Uh, no. I re- no. So we're I talking think- about Josh Rojas today. <laughs> That's right. If you don't know who that is, he is an outfielder for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And over the last two weeks, he is slashing 413, 438, 761, 1198 for a 508 Woba, a 222 weighted runs created plus that leads the National League and an 8.2 offensive rating. That also leads the National League. This all goes back to April 22nd. And his average exit velocity from April 22nd on is seven miles per hour more than that of his average exit velo from April 1st to April 21st. So it's been a tale of two seasons for him between those two timelines. And also since April 22nd, 17 of his 30 batted balls have been a line drive or a fly ball, which is usually what you want. Like those are the two most likely outcomes of being hits, of being home runs, of being what you want, especially in 2021. So that's 56% of his batted balls being line drives or home runs. And that's, you know, 17 of his 30. From April 1st to April 21st, he had 11 line drives and fly balls and 12 ground balls. 
So he's fixed up the axavilo. He's fixed up the launch angle. And guess what? He's hitting 413 with an 1198 OPS over the last two weeks, leading the National League in weighted runs created plus. Uh, what team did you say? Diamondbacks? That is Josh Rojas of the Arizona Diamondbacks, outfielder. I think I think that checks one off the list uh, yep. for uh, teams we haven't done. But yeah, um, yeah, looking uh, looking very good. Yeah, definitely was not any on anyone's radar beforehand. Um, and uh, I guess I'm going with a theme that I've had this year uh, so far in 2021 um, because they these guys just keep uh, popping up on the radar. Um, you know, yeah, this guy is particularly similar to one of the guys I've already done. But, you know, first of all, this is my third catcher that I am talking <laughs> about this year. Pretty wild for this to happen. You know, catchers don't usually come up in the how about that. But uh, this year, particularly kind of the, the year of the catcher. And I'm telling you, it's the year of the of the aging catcher, too. Uh, this, you know, I've done Yadier yeah, Molina. I know where you're going. Uh, today, I'm going with a guy who, you know, wasn't really on people's radar. People, you know, seems to be uh, in the uh, fading of his career in the twilight of his career i guess is the correct term um he's 34 but uh buster posey is killing it right now he's hitting 392 with a 1221 ops and in his last 13 games particularly he is hitting 512 with a 1571 ops he's just doing amazing right now whoops <laughs> he's just doing amazing right now and uh he is the first catcher, 34 or older, to have eight-plus home runs in their first 21 games of the season. How about that? So, uh, yeah, Buster Posey, particularly this year, just hitting the ball over the fence very well uh, and contributing to that uh, first-place Giants team very well. Yeah, and uh, we, uh, we're sticking with one division for these. How about that today? Yes, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, so now, now we move on uh, from the highs to the lows, uh, talking about players who are just not cutting it right now. Uh, now for your May 10th, 2021 edition of... Slightly alarming. So who do you have to highlight today? So I, uh, I gave this guy a lot of praise last season, and he immediately... This is an example of of uh, just a guy that we talk about. I didn't have him as a how about that, but I definitely talked about him last year, and uh, he struggled since. So on August 27th, when we recorded our show, Chris, we gave out our midseason MVPs of 2020, and my American League midseason MVP was Brandon Lau. Mm -hmm. And since that August 27th date, he is slashing 212, 302, 389 for a 691 OPS. And he also has the second highest strikeout rate of all qualifying second baseman in this time. He's above 30% strikeout rate. That's no, I know that strikeouts are up, but as a second baseman, that's not what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, definitely so, not. Brandon Lau, pick it up guy. I mean, I give you midseason MVP and ever since that it's been crash and burn. Yeah, that's tough. And um, speaking of uh, awards, uh, my slightly alarming, and by the way, Brandon Lau, slightly alarming um 
someone, you know, I didn't pick for any uh, awards in 2021, but I did mention him like as an honorable mention and how I kind of considered him for National League Cy Young. Talking about Luis Castillo. Hasn't done what hasn't done well this year. He has a 6.42 ERA through 33 and two thirds innings pitched, and uh, a lot of his deal is guys are having a lot easier time getting contact off of him. Uh, his 20.4% whiff rate is 7.8 percentage points below his previous career low in his uh, five-year career, and. Uh, his 16.8% strikeout rate is 6.5 percentage points below his previous career low. You know, his previous career low was still, you know, 23.3%. Now it is 16.8%. And yeah, having an odd time, you know, oddly hard time not getting strikeouts and uh, is affecting him greatly uh, getting outs in general. I think he has about 12 hits per nine right now, which you know, he has a, a bit of bad luck, but not, you know, he's still his FIP and expected ERA still reflect that he's being a, it, he's pitching like a below average pitcher as both of them are in like the mid to high fours. So Luis Castillo so far in 2021, slightly alarming. Um, so yeah, not the best thus far from Luis Castillo and from Brandon Lau uh, who have, you know, been, mostly good in their careers, but uh, now uh, now we'll get into some previews for the week ahead because we're going to be going back to uh, twice a week starting yeah. next week as our uh, school year is closing down. So that's fun. That We love to see that. Um, preview of the week ahead. Uh, what do you what do you uh, what are you highlighting for this week? Um, so I'm looking at Brewers Cardinals. Uh, these teams are separated by, I believe, two games in the National League Central standings. Yeah, the Cardinals are up by two games. They've been hot, but they've they've beaten the Pirates and the Rockies. Meanwhile, the Brewers, they got swept by the Phillies, but they took two out of three from the Marlins this weekend. They've had a much tougher schedule uh, than the Cardinals as of late. And they're going to be going up against each other. It's in Milwaukee. And in game one on Tuesday, you got Quang Hyung Kim going against Freddie Peralta. And then on Wednesday, you have John Gant versus Brandon Woodruff. And then to wrap up the series on Thursday at 140, you have Jack Flaherty going up against TBD. I'm hoping TBD means the return of Corbin Burns because a Jack Flaherty-Corbin Burns matchup would be awesome. Jack Flaherty, by the way, I know that we don't talk about this, but he's 6-0. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's... That doesn't, uh... listen, I know wins don't matter, but 6-0 doesn't happen on accident. That's a Cy Young favorite in my book. That was my Cy Young pick. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, if he goes, what is he on pace for? Like 25 and 0? That's, <laughs> yeah, that, probably. That, that's a solid record. You take that. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, for my preview, I mean, there's a, there's two, two sides of the rivalry you can go towards um, talking about. You could go raise Yankees, which is it's always a good one. Always. Yeah. Always good. Uh, especially in the past few years, I would say uh, have always been very good matchups or you could go Red Sox A's um, Red Sox, you know, the A's, you That's never true. really know what the A's are going to bring to the table. Uh, they're like the two best teams in the AL. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, the Red, Red Sox really haven't had that much of a challenge in a while, you know, even though they like drop, even though they drop three out of four to <laughs> the, uh, to the Rangers. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, when, when was their last like series from a legit challenger? Cause they've, the last two series, they've had the, the Tigers and the Orioles. And before that it was the Rangers, then a two gamer White Sox probably. Mets. Um, yeah, to this level, it's probably been since the White Sox series. Or maybe the Blue Jays. That they've the had this type of competition. Yeah, I mean, like a two-game – they had a two-game Oh, you know what? No, the it's the Mets. The Mets. Yeah, they had a two-gamer against the Blue Jays, a two-gamer against the, against the Mets. But in terms of, you know, a, a pretty firm division leader, uh, you know, they haven't – yeah, they haven't faced a division leader since, I guess, the Mets. And then uh, before that, it was – the White Sox. So Red Sox A's could be interesting. And then Rays Yankees. Rays Yankees is always must watch television. It is. Uh, Cause you never, you never know what can go down. And also Rays seem to just kind of have the Yankees number uh, and until proven otherwise. But yeah, that is uh, the episode. We hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, if you're listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens, or, you know, go, or if you want to go to the playlist and let's check out the history series or our Hall of Fame breakdowns, go to our YouTube channel, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It is called Above Replacement Radio. Follow our social medias. Follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Curran. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one and we hope you enjoy the next one, which will be coming on probably thursday where we're talking all the midweek stuff uh so we'll we will see you then this conversation this conversation is over is over